As the offering baskets are being passed, I want to highlight um, several things that are happening in our church tonight, 6 p.m., community Thanksgiving service. The, the Clinton Area Ministerial Association sponsors two joint services a year, and one of them is tonight, 6 p.m. at the Presbyterian Church. We'd love to have you come out. We do have youth groups like we normally do on Sunday evenings, but if you have nothing to do, please come out and you will be blessed. Tuesday evening, 6 p.m., Proverbs 31 will be cooking in the downstairs kitchen outside the Fellowship Hall. Proverbs 31 is an incredible ministry. Ladies get together and they prepare frozen crisis meals for people in need. If you've never joined them, they would love to have you join them this Tuesday, 6 p.m. Wednesday, 6 p.m., as Ernie said, we're going to have our Thanksgiving Eve worship and meal time in the Family Life Center from 6 to 7.15 You will be blessed, even if you didn't sign up at the beginning of the service and you still want to come, just fill out a card, write your name, the number of people from your family that will be attending. We would love to have you join us this Wednesday, 6 p.m. in the Family Life Center. Saturday, 1 o'clock, right here in the sanctuary, we're going to celebrate the life of a longtime First Christian Church member, Norma Rich. Norma passed away several weeks ago, and her memorial service is Saturday at 1 p.m., and then next Sunday at FCC is Ask the Pastor Sunday. This is the third time we've done it. You have this little purple piece of paper in your bulletin. If you have a question that you would like me to address, fill it out. You can turn it in at the basket at the Welcome Center where it says Ask the Pastor Questions. We'd love to hear from you. Also, in your bulletin, we've got a lot of paper in there today. Ernie talked about the budget. We will vote on the 2013 Ministry Action Plan two weeks from today. We'll have congregational meetings uh, during both services. Also, you've got this pink sheet of paper asking if you can help with the grab-and-go. It's an incredible ministry of our church to our community. It's a month away, Saturday, December 15. We need a lot of people that can help. And then finally, this green piece of paper, just forget about it for a minute. Don't, don't crumple it up. Don't throw it away. We'll get to that later in the service. Well, the big idea today, if you get nothing else, is simply this. Christ's followers are called to be thankful for the day. And this sermon really began to take root with me Way back in the month of May, I was at the Moody Bible Institute for a pastor's conference, a pastor's week, when on Friday morning I was actually out for my early morning walk on beautiful Lake Michigan when I received the very unfortunate news that a member of our congregation, Timothy of our church, Wade Lowry, had passed away. And Wade's funeral would take place that next week, and Wade's story began to be told. And for those of you that have not heard this, you really need to get this. Wade was just a, he was an awesome guy. He loved the Lord. He embraced so much his ministry at Ozark Christian College. And one of the things that Wade did is he loved to share posts on Facebook. And most of them were very funny. Uh, He had an incredible gift of wit. But the last post that he ever shared was simply the words, thankful for the day. And then he died and went to heaven. And I just thought to myself, what an incredible legacy to leave. And so this morning, that's what today's going to be about. It's going to be about how do we live being thankful for the day. 
So now that some of you are wiping the tears away, um, I apologize for that, but I wanted you to really know the, the, the point of where this sermon came from. I, I have sinned. I've erred. Um, I, I've looked back on my preaching through all of 2012, and I realize we've been so focused on our one-month studies that I have not taken time to do for you what you need, what you desire, what you long for. So, get out your paper, get out your pencil. It's time to take the Greg Taylor Thanksgiving test. We haven't had a quiz all year, and we're going to make up for some lost time. Do your best. We'll see how smart you really are. Question number one, when and where did the first Thanksgiving celebration take place in America? Was it St. Augustine, Florida in 1565? Was it Jamestown, Virginia, 1610? Was it Plymouth, Mass in 1621? Was it Philadelphia, 1775? If you say Florida, raise your hand. If you say Virginia, raise your hand. If you say Massachusetts, raise your hand. And if you say Philadelphia, raise your hand. Survey says it's Jamestown. In 1610. Now, you're thinking about the pilgrims and the Indians. We can't even call them Indians anymore. They're Native Americans. And that is in your history book. And if you go back and look, the actual first Thanksgiving feast, 1610, Jamestown, Virginia. Question number two. When and by whom did the first Thanksgiving proclamation setting a single date for the holiday take place in America by a president of the United States? See, for, for a long time, there were Thanksgiving celebrations, but there was never a single day. Which president declared a single day? Was it George Washington in 1776? Was it Abraham Lincoln in 1863? Was it FDR in 1945? Was it Richard Nixon in 1974? If you say George Washington, raise your hand. If you say Abraham Lincoln, raise your hand. If you say FDR, raise your hand. If you say Richard Nixon, raise your hand. Survey says... It's Abraham Lincoln in 1863. It's all right. You're trying hard. You're trying hard. Question number three. When and by whom did Thanksgiving become an official federal holiday to be celebrated on the fourth Thursday in November? Was it Lincoln in 1864? Was it U.S. Grant in 1875? Was it Teddy Roosevelt in 1907? Or was it FDR in 1941? How many say Lincoln? How many say Grant? How many say Teddy how many say FDR? Survey says, that's right, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, 1941. Which gospel and which chapter records my favorite Thanksgiving passage in the Bible? It's the story of Jesus healing the ten lepers. How many came back and said thank you to him? Just one. Is it Matthew 17? Is it Mark 17? Is it Luke 17? Is it John 17? I'm going to give you a hint. There is no Mark 17, Okay. If you say Matthew, raise your hand. If you say Luke, raise your hand. If you say John, raise your hand. Survey said it's Luke 17. And let me just throw this out here, families. If you're looking for something to do this Thursday that would be a lot of fun and spiritually uh, beneficial between all the turkey and, and stuffing and football games, read the story of the ten lepers together. It's just eight verses. Verses 11 through 19, I believe, of Luke 17. Number five, which meat is typically associated with Thanksgiving feasts? Is it ham? Is it steak? Is it turkey? Is it deer? In honor of weight, I probably put a, should put bacon up on the screen. <laughs> Survey says, that's right, it's turkey. Turkey day. Question number six, 
Which two NFL football teams always host Thanksgiving Day games? Is it Chicago and New England? Is it Dallas and Detroit? Is it Green Bay and Oakland? Is it Philadelphia and Pittsburgh? If you say Chicago and New England, raise your hand. If you say Dallas and Detroit, raise your hand. If you say Green Bay and Oakland, raise your hand. If you say Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, raise your hand. Survey said Dallas and Detroit. Detroit's always first. Dallas to follow. Question number seven. See how good you really are. How much attention you have paid up to this point. What's the earliest possible date for Thanksgiving? And what's the latest possible date for Thanksgiving? Next slide. Here's a whole bunch of possibilities for you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to give you the answer. The earliest possible date is November 22nd this year. And the latest possible date is November 28th, which will take place next year. Now, you're probably wondering, is there a point to any of this? There really, truly is a point. And here is the point that I want you to grab a hold of. I want this morning for you to do a self-assessment as we make our way through this Thanksgiving message. As we talk about being thankful for the day, as we talk about praise God from whom all blessings flow, I want you to simply answer the question for yourself, not for anybody else around you, but just for you. Does your life pass the Thanksgiving test? Does your life pass the test? Let me read some of my favorite passages of New Testament Scripture for you this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 18 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks no matter what message says, because it's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5 says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called the peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. What's the point of 1 Thessalonians 5, of Ephesians 5, of Colossians 3? I think the point is this. If you're a Christ follower, you're called to give thanks with a grateful heart. Right now, take out one of the many pieces of paper that we gave you this morning, or another piece of paper, and I've got an assignment for you for the next 30 seconds. And I want you to forget who you're sitting next to. Wives, if you're scratching your husband's back, stop scratching for a moment. If you're writing a note, stop writing a note for a moment. And for the next 30 seconds... I want you to simply jot down what you're thankful for. Go. Give thanks with a grateful heart. What are you thankful for? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. What are you thankful for? Christ followers are called to be thankful for the day. 
What are you thankful for? You know, 30 seconds really isn't enough time, is it? Some of you, you're just getting started. And yet, as I share this little exercise with you, as we talk about being thankful, as we read God's Word that reminds us our call as Christ followers to be people that are thankful, you know what the reality is? Most of us really struggle with truly living lives that scream of thanksgiving. Living lives that are testimonies of thankfulness. And I simply asked the question this morning, why? What gets in the way? Well, I could come up with a one-page list of what gets in the way. Why we're not more thankful. But I want to give you four this morning, and I want you to think about these four. And I think the first thing that really um, hits a lot of us is just the busyness of the 21st century world. Our lives are busy. We're busy at church, and we're busy outside of church. I mean, just look at this bulletin. This is chalked full of really good things that are happening in the life of the church. We never get together on Monday morning as a ministry staff and say, well, there's nothing happening this week, so no ministry staff meeting today. We're always doing something. You're always doing something. And it's good. It's God-honoring. It's God-pleasing but we're busy. Many of us, we have kids and they're on basketball teams or cheerleading squads or volleyball teams or scholastic bowl or the band and we're just going from one thing to another to another. And when we allow our lives to just continue to be so frenzied, we don't, be, we don't become the thankful people we're called to be. I think a second thing that keeps us from being thankful is settling for shallow relationships, refusing to, to dig deep with one another, to just being very surface in our relationships. I, I'm amazed at the technology of the day. I really am. And I think in many ways technology is awesome, but I think in some ways it, it's really hurt us relationally. I can send a text in three, four, five, six words and communicate to people what might have been a 10 or 15-minute telephone conversation 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And I'll just tell you, many times I settle for the text or I settle for the quick email or I get in and I try to just do as many different things as I possibly can and when I meet with people or I interact with people, I, I don't take the time that I should. And if we stay shallow in our relationships, we will not be the thankful people that we're called to be. What about the lie of consumerism? Do you know the lie of consumerism? Here's what the lie of consumerism says. What you have isn't good enough. Whatever it is. If it's your house, if it's your car, if it's the clothes in your closet, if it's the job that you have, whatever you have is not good enough. Not long ago, I went to my closet. And I, I couldn't find enough room in my closet to put all my clean clothes away. And I just started kind of doing an assessment of all the clothes in my closet that I have not worn in 2012. And when I got to about 24, I felt pretty shameful. And guess what? That illustration connects with a lot of us, doesn't it? Because we got a lot. We're really blessed. And guess what's going to happen in the next five, six, seven weeks? We're going to get even more. And today, in places like Haiti and the Dominican Republic and Kenya and Ethiopia, places where we support missionaries, 
There are people that are going to gather for worship services and they, they might have two or three shirts. I, I know brother, Christian brothers in the Dominican Republic that have one pair of what they would call nice pants. We've bought the lie of consumerism. And when we buy the lie of consumerism, I'm not thankful for the suit I'm wearing. I'm thinking, I need a better suit. Or I'm not thankful for the car that I'm driving. I need a better car. It keeps us from being thankful. And then finally, number four, I think simply the storms of life. When bad things happen, when life doesn't play out like we thought it was going to play out, or like we want it to play out, or like it should have played out, we, we lose perspective and we cease to be the thankful people we're called to be. So what's the answer? Well, I've got four suggestions for you and I didn't give you a sermon fill-in-the-blank outline because I couldn't justify one more piece of paper in the bulletin this week. So if you want to write these down, feel free to write them down. But I've got four suggestions for you this morning and the first one is this. We need to wake up and not smell the coffee, but wake up and smell the blessings. Take a big sniff. Wake up and smell the blessings. Did you realize, let me give you some blessings, that this morning, today, right now, is the 15th anniversary of our first Sunday in this beautiful sanctuary. It was mid-November 1997. 15 years. This building, it's a beautiful building, has been used for God's glory. Think of all the worship services. Think of all the special musicals that present the message of Christ. Think of all the weddings. Think of all the funerals. Think of all the good that has taken place because of the vision this church had. 15 years. And you know what your response should be? Say it with me, please. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Did you realize that as of May 1st this year, First Christian Church became debt-free for the first time, I want to say, in like 18 or 19 years, and they became, we became debt-free 25 months early. This is during an economy that everyone says is awful. This is during a time when unemployment is a serious, serious issue. This is during a time when more people than ever before are just afraid of their financial future. 25 months early because you were generous givers, because our finance team took seriously the call to be good stewards of the financial resources that we have. And you know what your response should be? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Say it with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Do you realize that most weeks over 100 teens, junior high, senior high students, and adults gather on Sunday evenings for Reveal? It's their teen worship time. They worship for about 20 minutes. Adam or or someone like Adam preaches a biblical message. And then they break up into small groups and talk about what they've just heard. Over a hundred. Do you realize that almost every Friday morning there is school? We have the breakfast club. And we have a crew of people that get together and prepare the food. And then we have as many as 60 teens that get together. And they eat breakfast and, and they read scripture And they hear the grace of God proclaimed every Friday. Let me tell you, when I was in high school and junior high, I was not getting up early to go eat breakfast at church. That is awesome. And your response should be, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Do you realize that right now, this morning, as we gather in Clinton, Illinois, two of our Timothys, two young men that grew up in this church, went through the youth ministry of this church, they've relocated to the New England area. And they are a part of new churches. Carson's church hasn't even started yet. 
that are passionate about reaching people for Jesus Christ in the least churched region of our country. They could be in a church like Clinton and be very comfortable and be very content. But they saw a need and they're saying, God, use me. That ought to make you feel great. And your response should be, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Wake up and smell the blessings. Secondly, stand up by digging deeper with others. If all you get is Sunday morning worship, if you're just an 11 o'clock person, that's all you're doing, you are missing out. Ladies, we have some incredible opportunities for you. We have a Sunday school class. They meet every Sunday morning right out these doors. Lord led ladies class from 930 to 1030. It's led by the best teacher in this church, Judy Shaw. She's an incredible, incredible teacher, incredible hard worker. And you will grow relationally with other sisters in Christ as you study the Word. We have a 10 a.m. Tuesday morning Bible study led by Merla Hickerson. We have a 7 p.m. Thursday evening Bible study here at church. Ladies, there's great opportunities for you to grow closer and to dig deeper with your sisters in Christ. Guys, I'm not letting you off the hook. The Area Men's Fellowship is screaming your name. They get together once a month, first Tuesday of the month, They get in the van or the bus, they go to a church, they eat a meal fit for a king, they worship God, and they take an offering to support Little Galilee Camp 12 times a year. And if you go, you'll grow closer to guys like Kevin Peterson and Tim Winthy and uh, Jim Deffenbaugh. The list goes on and on and on. Dick Quartz of people that are committed to this gathering first Tuesday of the month. Well, wake up and smell the blessings. Stand up by digging deeper with others. Number three, I want to challenge you to give up on the quest for materialism and instead choose ministry. We have incredible needs at First Christian Church in order for the ministries that that are taking place to continue to function. And I want to just share with you two opportunities today of something that you can do. The first is this. Tim Hoyt does a great job with our outside communion. This is a need right now. And Tim called me recently and he said, we're getting to kind of a crisis level. We need more people that will do outside communion. Here's what it means. You get a little container filled with grape juice and cups and bread, and you go places like the hospital or the nursing home or to individuals who are shut in in their homes, and you spend a couple minutes visiting with them. You give them the elements, you pray for them, and you go on their way, on your way. You will be blessed. Their week is changed in a positive way. And Tim Hoyt saw me this morning. He said, I don't have any names yet. I said, I'm going to give it a try. Some of you right now, if you're not doing anything, you could start doing that in January of 2013. Say, Tim, here I am. Tell me what you want me to do. Let me give you a second need that we have, and this is a current need. As you know, our benevolence ministry is helping more people than ever before. And it has been a, 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 a year of need in Clinton. And because of that, our benevolence funds are just about gone. In fact, our special Thanksgiving offering this year is going to the benevolence ministry so they can continue to bless people through the rest of this month and next month. Alongside that, every year, First Christian Church and other churches in our community participate in what we call the Holiday Basket Program. We prepare as many as 400 baskets for needy in our county, and each church is in charge of providing something. This year, we're in charge of providing spaghetti noodles and spaghetti sauce. I'm asking 80 people today 
to give $10 above and beyond what they normally give. The envelopes are over here. There's going to be a time in the service to respond if you want to. Your name's not going in the bulletin. There's no special recognition or anything along those lines, but this will allow First Christian Church to participate in the holiday food basket program without harming our benevolence ministry. That's a way that you can give up on materialism and give back starting today. And then finally, encouragement number four, look up for the promises of God. I think so many times when bad things come our way, what we perceive to be bad things, we can't see the forest through the trees. And we forget about the promises that God has poured out upon us. We forget about the encouragement of God's word. Like Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We forget the words of Peter in 1 Peter 5, cast all your cares on him, the Lord. He cares for you. We forget about the truth of 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he's going to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteousness. We forget about the truth of 2 Corinthians 5, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Bottom line is this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Give thanks with a grateful heart. We're going to conclude our service differently than we normally do. Right now, I would like everyone to take out your green piece of paper that says simply, I am thankful for the day because... You may have noticed when you walked in this morning that our stage looks a little different than it normally does. We've got this really ugly dead tree on our stage. And you may be thinking, what what is that about? Well, this is a Thanksgiving tree. And what we're going to do in just a moment after I pray is we're going to invite you to fill out your green piece of paper. I'm thankful for the day because you may want to write down one thing. You may want to write down three things. I had people first service that filled every inch possible on this piece of paper. And we want to invite you this morning to actively respond to a message on being thankful. We want to invite you to come forward, and in a moment, we're going to hang our blessings from our dead, dreary tree and just see how blessed and thankful we really are. Maybe, just maybe, you want to actively respond to the request to be a part of the Holiday Food Basket program. Envelopes are are available. If you do, just put your money in the envelope, put it in the basket that it's there. Never forget the truth of God's Word. You are called to be thankful in each and every situation. I don't know about you. I'm certainly thankful for the day. Let's pray.